the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Growing up, we used to sing a song about letting our little light shine. And I hope that as Christians, we are still actively doing so. (laughs) One of the songs said, I'll be a witness for him, talking about witnessing for Christ. Join us today as Pastor Rander talks about the man the Bible says was sent from God to pave the way for Christ's earthly ministry in this message, John the Baptist Bears Witness of the Light. He'll be speaking from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. So you better make sure you have been sent and not just went. Your ministry will be anointed and be more effective when you know without a doubt that you have been sent by God. Two things Satan loves to do with believers. First, he loves to confuse believers at the point of their salvation, which keeps them weak and ineffective. He loves to confuse you at the point of your salvation. Why? Because he knows you remain weak. You, you're operating in uncertainty and you'll be ineffective because you, you, you still haven't uh, um, received the assurance of your salvation. Secondly, uh, Satan loves to confuse believers at the point of their calling, which makes and you're not sure you're called to do what you're doing. If there's a sense of uh, uncertainty about where you are serving uh, in ministry. You know what that makes? That makes for insecurity. You can't get your best effort. It makes for self-doubt, and it also makes for lack of confidence in ministry. You won't have confidence in Christ as you serve because you're not even sure that you should be doing what you're doing in the first place. Uh, number three, another thing about this remarkable man of God. Number three, John was a humble servant. Say humble servant. In the Gospels, John's humility is so evident. His, his humility is evident. The scripture says in the Gospel of John, chapter three, verse 30, he must increase. That's Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. But in the church today, it's all of, people have all about me, a sense of self-importance. But if, if we come into God's house and say, you know what, I must, I must decrease, he must increase. Lord, I want it to be less of me and more of you. you. Do you realize unity will prevail? The church will go to another level when people get out of God's way. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11b also speaks of his John's humility. It says in Matthew 3:11b, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. In other words, this is a great man of God. This is the man of God who's coming, the likes of which we have not seen. He is great. He is mighty. Here he is. Who uh, uh he's mightier than I. You got some saints so puffed up in pride, they think they're greater than God. But John says, he's mightier than I. Uh, whose sandals I'm not worthy to even carry. I'm not worthy to even carry this man's sandal 
that has the Palestinian dust and dirt on it. Matthew 3, 13 through 15 speaks of John's humility when it says there, then Jesus went from Galilee to Jordan, uh, to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, verse 14. But John tried to talk him out of it. John tried to talk Jesus out of being, talk Jesus out of being baptized by John. And look what he says. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, Jesus. Uh, he said, so why are you coming to me? Look, you're, you're underline that question. He's asking Jesus, uh, you asking me to baptize you, but, but why are you coming to me? You know what? I, I believe he was asking that question because John knew who he was. He knew that he was the Messiah. The promised Messiah. John knew that Jesus was the Lamb of God. He knew that he was, uh, he came, uh, to die, the just for the unjust. He know, he knew that this was God in human flesh. John saw Jesus and looking at him, he saw his own humanity, his own wretchedness, his own sinfulness, yet Here's the Holy One saying, baptize me. This sinner baptizing a sinless one. This ungodly baptizing the godly. He says, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed To baptize him. I wonder what that was like to baptize God. Ooh, if I was baptized, if God came here and told me to baptize him, man, I'd pass, I'd think about that. I said, what? Oh my goodness. I don't want to drown him. I don't, I want to hold him just right. I'm scared to touch him. I might get struck. You know? Baptizing God? Baptizing God? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Why is biblical humility so important in the lives of believers? Why is biblical humility so important in the lives of believers? Biblical humility is necessary because one cannot receive salvation apart from humility. You got to humble yourself to even be saved. This means that you you must come to Christ as a sinner. If you don't see yourself as a sinner, you won't recognize your need for a savior. So you have to see your you you have to see yourself as a sinner in order to cry out for a savior to rescue you out of your condition. One cannot receive salvation apart from humility. This means that we must come to Christ as sinners in humility, acknowledging that we are spiritually bankrupt with nothing to offer Christ but our sin and our need for salvation. Secondly, one has to die to self. Die to self. Humility, what is it? Humility is meekness. Not weakness, but meekness. Humility is lowliness of mind. You're not so high-minded and haughty and hockey and prideful. Nobody can tell you anything. 
Humility is considering others better than yourself. Philippians 2, 3 says, uh, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. You are only as effective for Christ as your humility before him. Self-promotion, spiritual pride, and false humility will result in spiritual demotion and divine chastening from God. First Peter 5, 6 also says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Another thing about this remarkable man of God is John was not afraid of people. John was not afraid of people. There are some, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, who came to the Jordan to observe John's baptisms, but who had no desire to step in the water themselves. John rebuked the Sadducees and Pharisees and religious leaders. He rebuked them sternly. The religious leaders were not exempt from needing to repent of their own sins, although they saw no need to do so. Matthew chapter three, verses seven and eight says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to to his baptism, he said to them, look how he was not afraid of them. Broods of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. My friend, you cannot do effective ministry or reach your potential for Christ being afraid of people or even trying to appease and satisfy them. Did you get that? You cannot do effective ministry or reach your God-given potential for Christ being afraid of people or trying to appease them. It is better to obey God than man. There, there are people who, who will always find something wrong with what you do. Why are you doing that? That's not right. What, what, you, you don't know what you're doing. You remember what you were saved from? What, what you doing here? You got people from the outside. You mean you going to church after all that stuff you did? <laughs> well, who in here have not sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? There is none righteous. No, not one. No, not one. You can't be afraid of people and be effective for God. You, you can't be a little scary cat. You can't, be, you can't have the spirit of cowardice. You, you, you can't be afraid of folk faces. They can make some ugly faces. Some folk don't want to grow. Some, some folk don't want to change. So they'll make you the issue. They'll make you the issue. It is better to obey God than man. The scripture says in Acts 4, 16 through 20, saying, what shall we do to these men? They were preaching Jesus all over the place. For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, they were trying to squash it. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak no more in the name, in this name. What name? The name Jesus. Verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. And that's where we are today, folk. If you're praying and you're not praying in the name of Jesus, you just you just talking. That's right. That's talking. Uh, I was at a graduation uh, ceremony the other day. They just said, "Help, have a quiet moment." Now, a quiet moment is not prayer. Okay, <laughs> quiet moment. You know, folks could be talking about anything. They could be talking. They, they could be thinking about rice and gravy during their quiet moment. <laughs> you know, 
Where is the name of Jesus? Where is the name of Jesus? Witnessing for Christ is an awesome task that belongs to every believer. The question is, are we doing it? Listening today as Pastor Rander continues to encourage us to be effective witnesses by explaining the role a man of unusual dress and diet played in acting as a precursor to Jesus in this message. John the Baptist bears witness of the light. He'll be teaching from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. Uh, So they called and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But look at verse 19. Look at the boldness of of Peter and John. 19, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Got something I want to say about this passage. In other words, refuse to let your voice be silenced for Christ in a world where people are bold, vocal, and proud in their sins. Did you hear what I just said? You you must refuse to let your voice be silenced. For Christ in a world where people are bold in their sin, vocal in their sin, and even proud in their sins. Uh, number five, another thing about John's ministry we can learn is that is that the Lord encouraged John when he was persecuted for the cause of Christ. The Lord encouraged John when he was persecuted for the cause of Christ. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 6, it says... And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the one? Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Now, let's back up a minute because some of you all, y'all read so fast you don't catch things. Right there in that passage in verse two, it says he sent two of his disciples. What was John by this time? What was he in jail? But yet he had two disciples who were standing near, ready to help in the time of persecution. John was not without help, and he was able to use persons around him to help him even as he was in jail for the cause of Christ. You know, folk can hang with you when things are going well, but don't let trouble come. You can't find them. They're like fair weather Christians. As long as everything going well and you can give them something, everything's right with you and they don't have nothing, can't find out nothing wrong about you. They hang with you. But all of a sudden, let persecution or something they don't understand about you happen and they, they, they drop like, like whatever and they, and they run. But, but, but John had help. Stop saying, I don't need anybody. Yes, you do. And if you think you don't, just keep living. Everybody needs somebody. John was in jail and he had two disciples ready and willing to be there and to go and send a word to Jesus. He sent two of his disciples and said to him, look, are you the coming one or do we look for another? This is John the Baptist uh, asking this question of Jesus. Verse four, Jesus answered and said, as it relates to John's question, go tell John disciples. Go tell John the things which you hear and see. 
the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Go tell them what you see. Go tell them what you've heard. Go back and tell them. And that's going to encourage John, you see. When John was imprisoned by Herod, he became discouraged and began to doubt and needed confirmation that Jesus was truly the Messiah. John had faithfully done what he had been assigned by God to do, which was to be the forerunner of Christ. Yet he finds himself now in prison. Jesus encouraged his faith. He encourages the faith of John by sharing the miracles he had performed, which authenticated that he was in fact the Messiah. Like John, when we began to doubt and go through our own challenges and trials, as we live the Christian life, we must go to Jesus and ask him to completely crush and remove all doubts. There, there are moments of doubts that come in the Christian life, and we need the Lord to crush and remove those doubts. John had huge crowds as he preached in the wilderness. Even the religious leaders came out to see what was going on. However, John's preaching against sin got him thrown into prison for calling out King Herod because he married Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, telling him, it is unlawful for you, King Herod, to have her. You sinning. That's wrong. He called him out. And as a result, he was thrown in jail. In just a little while, folk, when we begin to call out folk who are living in sin, persecution is going to come in America, the likes of which we have never seen. Beloved, if, if John the Baptist had his doubts, as great a prophet as he was, then don't be surprised when you experience moments of doubts as well. How many of you have had doubts as you live the Christian life? Let's be transparent. You have moments of doubts? We've all, we've all have it. And so they're going to come. So, so, so what is doubt? Let me, let me tell you what doubt is. What is doubt? Doubt is to be unsure. It is to be unsure. It is to be uncertain. Doubt is to be skeptical. Doubt is to be unbelieving. Doubt is to, is to distrust. Doubt is to lack confidence. Let me, let me say it again. Doubt is to be unsure. It is to be uncertain. It is to be skeptical. It is to be unbelieving. It is to distrust. It is to lack confidence. To doubt is to waver. And once you embrace Christ as your personal savior, then Satan's next goal is to tempt believers to doubt and lack confidence in Christ, which will keep you from reaching your God given potential for him. Why do Christians doubt? Why do Christians doubt? A believers doubt because of a deficiency in their prayer life. Believers doubt because of a deficiency in their prayer life. Ephesians 6, 18a says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. My friends, the more we talk to God, our doubts diminishes and our faith increases. 
So when you when your prayer life increase, doubts will begin to wane and decrease. Prayer has a way of extinguishing your doubts. B, why do Christians doubt? Believers doubt because of a lack of spending time reading the word of God, reading, memorizing and meditating on the word of God. If you're not reading the word of God, meditating on the word of God, memorizing the word of God, you will doubt. Joshua 1, 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. Say meditate. How, how much? Therein, day and night. That means you have to weed a whole lot of things out of your life in order to meditate on the word of God day and night that you must observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. The word of God is the best cure for any believer who struggles with doubt. Did you hear what I just said? The word of God is the best cure for any believer who struggles with doubt. It is it does it does. The word of God does what medicine can't do. Herbs can't do. The word of God does what drugs can't do. Alcohol can't do. Psychotherapy can't do. Philosophy can't do. You living in politics. Doubt can't. Politics can't help your doubt and money can't help your doubt. You have a whole lot of money still be doubting. Nothing cures doubt like the word of God. See, believers doubt because of spiritual regression and backsliding. Believers doubt because of spiritual regression and backsliding. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 22, it says, Return you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Beloved, your doubt will increase as you drift further away from Christ. The further away from Christ you get, the more doubts you will have in your life. Also, a backslidden condition results in believers not being able to hear the voice of God. You can backslide so far from God that you can't even know. You don't even know when he's speaking. You don't know. You can't recognize the voice of God. And when you don't know the voice of God, then it results in deception. When you don't know when God is speaking, it results in confusion. When you don't know when God is speaking, it results in making bad decisions. D, believers doubt when they place their faith in human reasoning. When you place your faith in human reasoning, intellectualism, psychology, political correctness, evolution, and secular humanism instead of the truth of God's word. Let me just say that again. Believers doubt when you place your trust in human reasoning, intellectualism, psychology, political correctness, evolution, and secular humanism instead of the truth of God's word. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. You open yourself up for doubt when you value worldly ideologies over the truth of God's word. John 8, 32 also says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's John 8, 32. There's nothing like the word of God. Human reasoning cannot help you. Intellectualism will not remove doubt. You can be astute, intelligent, even a scholar and be on a straight road to hell. E, believers doubt when they pursue the things of the world only to discover that cheap substitutes are insufficient and will not satisfy their thirsty souls. Believers doubt when they pursue the things of the world 
only to discover that cheap substitutes are insufficient and will not satisfy their thirsty souls. Psalms 42, 1 through 2a says, as a deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. Oh God, my, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. My friend, nothing or no one satisfies like the Lord Jesus Christ who brings inner peace and who brings contentment. Jesus is our peace. He's so much peace that he's called the Prince of Peace. And when you have peace when we, peace from within because of having Jesus Christ and relying on him, then you can have contentment. F, believers will surely doubt if they follow anything or anyone else other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Believers will surely doubt if they follow anything or anyone else other than the Lord Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter one, verses 11 through 13, it says, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you, that each of you says, I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. Verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? My friend, even today, there are still believers who follow influential Christians, such as popular, eloquent, and persuasive preachers and teachers, and Christian celebrities rather than following Christ. When you follow people, you will be led astray. Thank you for tuning into this program for the Maranatha Bible Church Broadcast Ministry. This broadcast is supported in part by your generous financial contributions, and we invite you to partner with us in spreading this important word throughout our local community and the world. If the Lord spoke to you in this message, let us know. Call us at 210-821-5683. Even better, come and visit us at 7855 East Loop 1604 North, Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. Visit our website at www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio and video messages. You can also find service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much, much more. Tune in tomorrow as Pastor Draper continues to teach us from the Word of God. Thank you for joining us today, and may the Lord's blessings be upon you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.